I am Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the virtual CISO moment. James Fair joins us today. He is the Senior Vice President of IT Services for Executech. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. I'm excited and honored to be here. Well, I'm honored to have you as our second guest of the year. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm starting out the year on a positive note and would love to start out this episode learning about your past. Starting, I always love to ask the question, why did you get into IT and um, your entire path up to where you are right now? How did you get there? <laughs> My whole path, wow. Your whole path. Um, let's see, why did I get into IT? Uh, I think I was kind of just made for it at I think I was 13 years old. I got my first computer. I'm an old guy. So I was back when PCs weren't a thing, right? So first computer at 13 years old. And I was like, oh, I'm hooked. And I just dove into that thing. I taught myself basic programming language. It was just like all I did. And then at 16, uh, the first, go ahead, my, please. My, my first computer that I worked on was a Commodore PET. Okay. Actually, no, right. my first computer I worked on was a terminal with uh, just a printout. So I'm, 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 I'm older than dirt. Myself. All right. You got a little bit more, a few more years than I did. I didn't do any card, you know, punch cards or anything, but um, I did. the first PCs <laughs> came out when I was 16 mm -hmm. and my parents bought an IBM PC junior. And I like dove into that thing and like for two years, no one saw me. And when I, two years later, when I came out, I knew everything about that thing inside and out, <laughs> software, hardware. And it was just, it was a passion. I just found my, felt my, you know, kind of fell into. And so when it came time to choose a career, I was thinking I'm going to be a veterinarian, but I, I had the, you know, the experience, the passion and for computers. So that's the path I went down. And I, I pretty much filled just about every IT position out there. I think I did entry level tech. I've been a full-time tech. Uh, I made it up to assistant manager. Then I uh, ended up running my own team. So I was manager for a while. They kept throwing things at me. Database managing, cybersecurity was a big portion of my of my day. I'm sure you know. Back in the day, there wasn't a separate cybersecurity person. We all just kind of did everything and and hope we could. Yeah, we called it, it out. we called it troubleshooting back then. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There were no there were no cyber experts back then. We were all just no. trying to do the best we could trying to stop yep. the bad guys. But yep. Uh, so eventually, I worked my way up into senior leadership, uh, all the way to senior vice president, and now I'm actually pivoting over to the cybersecurity side. It's always been a facet of my career, but I was really like, man, this is, this is what I want to do. I've been doing IT for 35 years. I've been in leadership for 30 years. So I'm moving over to cybersecurity, something new and exciting. And, and so what is it about this that inspires me? Uh, there's a bunch of things. One, I've always been in the service mindset. Two, I, I kind of want to stop the ransomware people. I'd like them to, <laughs> you know, never have a job again if I could help it. Um I spent some time with the uh, the cybersecurity folks at the FBI. Mm -hmm. Really great people. All they want to do is do some do some good in the world, right? That's what they're there for. They're willing to like not make the money they could in the private sector so that they can focus on doing some good in the world. So I want to support those folks to do their job better. And I remember there was a an article that came out not too long ago from the FBI director saying, we suspect we are outnumbered cyber. Uh, agents at the FBI are probably outnumbered about 50 to one to Chinese hackers mm. and, and a cry for assistance from the private sector. So I think that's part of what we should be doing. It's not just our, it, it is our job to protect and, you know, facilitate proper security protocols in organizations. But I also think it's part of our job as cybersecurity experts to support the folks who can actually go arrest these people. <laughs> That's what I want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, interesting that you say uh, that you're pivoting into um, 
cyber more so now than than after after 35 years in IT, and it got me to think about a question. Um, that is, um, there's a lot on LinkedIn, a lot of well, and Reddit and other areas of discussion where people give and take advice for folks that are getting into cyber, particularly if it's like they're just starting out careers. Yeah. A lot of people will say, and I'm one of those that does this, is um, is that you really would be it would be beneficial to start off in some position in IT before then pivoting to cyber. Now, I know that there's pros and cons to to both sides of the discussion, but you uh, with 35 years in, what is your thought on that? Is there value in starting off in IT first or is it OK to jump straight into cyber? What, what are your thoughts? I'll say I've seen both tracks work. So if someone has aptitude, I would say it's not necessarily relevant, but I will say that the, those who have an IT background pick up things quicker, faster. They're going to move faster. They're going to understand it easier. They're not going to have to learn networking while they're learning cybersecurity. They already understand networking, so they're just learning the cybersecurity portion. So I will I will say it's an absolute necessity, uh, 100%, and it will help with clarity and understanding and make it easier down the road for sure. So I'm, I'm with you as well. Definitely have an IT background. Yeah. Because I, I think that um, at least from my perspective, I mean, minus the, the quasi joke that we were talking about that cyber didn't exist back in the day, but it gives you a holistic understanding of what it is that you're trying to protect, not just the how to protect it. And, and I think that um, one of the things that they don't talk about as much in cyber that I wish they would more, at least starting out, is just how it fits into the whole big business business from a business perspective. Yes, um, you see that more in IT now. It's like if you're run if you're in networking, you understand how much you support the business the first time that a core router or switch goes down, because every office is going to be calling you. You understand how you're supporting it in cyber. It's a little bit more nuanced. So, um, no, I appreciate that perspective. You've been. Yeah. Um, I'll add one more thing, if I don't mind, well, yeah. just, no, go ahead. just to, go ahead. to finish the original question, because one of the things that also occurs to me, because I am in the SMB space and I have, I have friends who are in the SMB space, you know, people who started up their own business. Mm -hmm. And I think about these folks, let's say a guy who's really great at running uh, electrical cabling, right? He's, he's an electrician and he says, I want to start my own business. And so he starts his own business and he, and he does it on his own for a while and he eventually hires his first employee and then two, three, four, and he starts to expand. Well, all of a sudden this person who is great at um, running electrical, right? Doing electricity is now being asked to also manage a company. All right, so learning that skill set. Now we're saying, okay, now that you've got all that, now we want you to understand all tech and cyber because you're going to need to. <laughs> so- at what point in the growth cycle, right? We all would, we automatically hire an accountant. There's some point where we say, all right, we need we need a bookkeeper, an accountant, or some point, and we know that at some point we need an IT person. When we got five, six, ten machines, whatever it is, like, all right, I got to outsource or hire an IT person. But I don't think we necessarily have a point at which we say it's time to bring in a cyber person. Mm -hmm. I really think that that needs to be a factor because the IT person has got to be able to track, you know cloud and networking and servers and workstations and and routers and switches and firewalls and all those other things they don't have time to track all the stuff going on in cyber as well so at some point when do we bring that in go ahead I'll let you answer I, I I think I think that um I'm I'm living an example of that right now where I'm working with a our, our newest client we started with last month um working with a well second newest because we just started with another one um but we're working with a startup 
and they have had outsourced IT services for some time, but they got to the point where the IT services, who are more or less actually developers for them that were work doing some IT stuff for them, the developers finally said, look, you're getting to the point with regards to cyber that we can't do it. And it's not an IT issue. You're going to have to bring in someone who's got some, both the technical and the risk management experience. So I think part of the answer to that is, is organic, but it has to come, if you have an IT support organization that understands that, okay, there, there's, there's more to the cybersecurity and the infosec side than just um, putting in a firewall at your edge and putting in antivirus. Sometimes if you, have, if you have a group like that to help drive that, then they can convince the business that, yes, you need to take a step further that way. But unfortunately, there are also some at times when that isn't the case. And, and then the other step, then when um, small businesses tend to either feel that they need to have some sort of um, cyber risk management um, input, either it's something to do with um, their customers are asking for something or they get hit. And both of those are reactive. So it's always good to be proactive, build it from the beginning. So I appreciate that insight. And I would, there's one more that's pushing the initiatives too. We're seeing cyber insurance companies come in and say, all right, you want to be insured yeah. by us. You're going to, you have to meet these minimum requirements. So we're seeing a lot of initiatives coming down from cyber insurance companies as well. That's an excellent point too, because it used to be um, more of like a, a five or 10 question, check the box. Do you do this? Yes. Do you do this? Yes. Do you do this? Yes. <laughs> what else am I going to say? I want the insurance. If I say no, I know it's an automatic ding. Um, but now- I had one company who who I, I went to them and I said, all right, you're filling out this self-assessment questionnaire for PCI, right? And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, there's 17 errors that we need to you know we need to work on. They're like, we always pass. And I'm like, you always pass? What do you mean? They're like- we just figure out what answer they want. We choose that answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're missing the point of a PCI compliance test, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem now too, is that now the, the cyber insurers are coming back and they're saying, well, okay, you check the box, for example, that you do MFA, but the spirit of the question was, do you do MFA to protect all of your critical assets, right. not just one area? So, so now they're coming out with more detailed questionnaires to really kind of flesh that out. Well, I, I love the pivot to, to SMB because um, that's the next thing I wanted to talk about is what are some of the significant threats in the cyberspace, maybe the top one or two from your perspective. And certainly, um, I'm sure um, your, your company works with SMBs all the time. What would you say would be um, one or two of the most significant cyber threats to small and mid-sized businesses today? Uh, you know, it's certainly the same challenges everybody else has, but there's additional challenges that SMBs have in that they typically don't have, I heard it, I heard it phrased really well. They are often resource constrained, mm -hmm. right? There's only so much that they can throw at, uh, at cyber. So what we're seeing is more than anything else, particularly around the holidays are the fake email accounts, the phishing emails the ACH wire payments, we are seeing so many email compromises. And I don't, a lot of times, I don't think businesses, especially the SMB space, aren't realizing the potential impact of this. So you think, oh, okay, someone's account got breached, we'll change the passwords, so, so some email got lost. But what could happen is that someone got a hold of that email and they sent email to one of your vendors, customers, someone you do business with, and spoof them into wiring 
$50,000, whatever it is. And now that company is looking at you saying, now, wait a minute, this came from you. We don't want to just eat $100,000. We're going to come after you. We're liability because you weren't properly secure and it came from your email address. So there are legal liability questions that we're seeing uh, that come from this. So I, I really want to encourage people to take this a bit more serious than, than, I'm, than I think it's being taken right now. Um, fake domains are a big thing. We, we worked with an organization that lost $150,000 in the blink of an eye. And the way it happened was that they were in an email conversation with a vendor. They were negotiating the price. They agreed to $150,000 price. What, they, what no one knew was that attackers were in the vendor's email system, waiting, watching, the transactions going back and forth. Well, the meanwhile, while they were waiting, the attackers purchased a domain. So when this when these two companies agreed to the $150,000 price tag, that's when the attackers made their move. They sent an email, replied all to everyone with a fake link to pay it. And the sender was the same name, but the, the domain Instead of two, instead of a W where it was in the original name, it was two V's. They bought a domain mm. with two V's with W was. Everything else was the same. They put all the previous conversation in there. Someone, you know, saw two, saw a W and just hit pay. Bam, just like that. And the obvious lesson from that is choose a domain name that doesn't have a W in it. <laughs> <laughs> and be really careful. But yeah, I, I think anytime money's involved, it requires a validation. Pick up it the really phone, call someone that you know. It, it really does because I, I I'm with you on that. I don't think that most most particularly in the SMB market they're focused on running the business, growing it, keeping it alive, and and they're wearing multiple hats as it is already. Um, and uh, it's very easy to discount the anything cyber because well cyber doesn't do anything to really bring in revenue. Exactly. Um, I mean you can make some arguments for larger businesses and but but you know what i'm what i'm saying is that it's more of a cost center but it's a cost preventer really yeah. when all is said and done and that's a difficult that's a difficult mountain to climb sometimes culturally particularly again i i know that smb and startup are not synonymous uh, startup is a very small segment literally and figuratively of of the um, smb market but um all all businesses in some way shape or form have that culture speed bump if you will trying to get over the hump to to explain to them no why this is very important what what do you think is a a, a, a or what have you seen is a effective an effective way to convince folks to take awareness seriously i mean you can tell these stories but sometimes i think people will say well that can't happen to me I mean, sure. Get that so, a lot, actually. What, what, what do, what advice do you have as far as being able to try to get over that hump of that that cultural resistance? I guess I'll call it. Yeah, it's a great question. It, it's one we run into a lot. And if we take the example I mentioned before, we have an electrician who created his own company, and now he's being asked to do cyber. And when someone who isn't technical looks at what's required to set up cyber. They have no idea. They're going to look like deer in headlights. It's like, I got to do what? And how many layers of what to do? And it's got to be overwhelming. It's overwhelming to me. And I've been in this business forever. So mm -hmm. I can just yeah. imagine if I'm a small business owner, I look at cyber and I go, I have no idea in where to begin. Just forget it because it can be over very overwhelming. So we need to get past that. Number one, we need to say, okay, there are, let's, let's 
face the truth that I, there are steps I can take. And if I don't take any one month from now, six months from now, a year from now, whatever it may be, um, I want to be in a better place than I am right now. Number one. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's take the attitude of, I, wanna, I, I don't want to be six months from now in the same exact security position I'm in right now. So rather than a typical approach that cybersecurity takes, which is, okay, here's the 43 things you need to implement. Let's create a path. So let's get together with the company. Let's work with them in something that makes sense as far as the budget goes and administrative overhead goes. And let's create a roadmap so so that maybe we're not where we are right now, but we can get there. And we can get there in a way that works for the organization. We're not trying to cram it down their throat or force something. And it's not going to be perfect, but at right. least we're making steps and we're getting there. You know, we're, we're starting to click those boxes for meeting cybersecurity requirements. We're starting to uh, complete the things necessary for us to be able to uh, get cyber insurance. And and then we're starting having the conversations with, with leadership to say, okay, what's the next step? What small, what small step can we take next, whether it's multi-factor authentication or, uh, you know, some, some very easy wins, because there's usually some small wins we can do off the bat. So uh, easy, small wins and a roadmap that makes sense for the business typically gets a lot more bite uh, and traction than other methods I've seen. And I think that small and mid-sized businesses need to realize that, you know, these things can happen all of a sudden just out, out, of, out of the blue. Um, without any warning. And I, I say that, and I say that rather jokingly, you might've seen me look down here for a second, but in the middle of that, my power just went out. I, the, just, I, I, I the lost UPS the ring beeping. light. The UPSs are beeping. <laughs> uh, the servers are beeping and, and I'm hoping that it's temporary and it's going to come up, but I'm going to find out just how much power I have on here. So, so, so we'll keep on going. And uh, uh, if we have to come back and uh, and and just if anybody's watching this and you see a break, it's because, well, we've had we had to come back and re-record something. But um, we're getting close to wrap up anyway. And and one of the things that I know is very, very important, I think, in the industry and it's it's uh, it's heavy on my mind is um, that we have such a problem with um, getting stressed out in, in IT and in cyber. And for those of us that, that run small businesses as well too. And there's such a need, I think, to get away and uh, decompress. And what's one of the things that you do, James, to get away from all the stress of cyber and IT? Thank you for bringing this up, Greg, because this is, I think, a much larger and more prevalent problem than people realize. And this is one that I didn't think, I'm like, whatever, I'll take time off when I take time off, whatever. And I discovered the hard way uh, during COVID when, and I didn't take time off and I was working around the clock and then COVID ended and I still kept kind of those same habits, not leaving the house, not socializing, not doing the things I needed to do. And it took, it's one of those things that comes on so gradually you don't notice it. But one day I realized I'm snapping at people. I'm Mm -hmm. being nasty. And there's these small, subtle signs that come on so small until you're being a jerk to everyone. You're like, wait a minute, what is going on? This isn't like me at all. So it is far more important than I think people will realize. So I'm, I want to hammer on this one a bit. And there are a couple of things I do. So uh, I, I actually hang out with Zen monks. I, I meditate every single morning. I hang out with a bunch of Zen folks. And, and I do, I mean, it's more sitting. So I also counter that by doing some physical activities. I, I weight lift a couple of times a week. Uh, I go hiking. I do a lot of walking with my dog. Um, and so I try to go you know out in nature a bit. 
And if none of that works, then I will shoot things virtually like most people in the IT world. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, as far as meditating, how how long do you meditate for? Uh, Typically a half hour sit. I'll do a half hour sit every morning. Uh, I may join a half hour sit in the evening as well. On Thursdays, I'll I'll go as long as an hour and a half because I'll go join them in the afternoon. Wow. And so you, you do this with, with others, not, not solo is what you were saying. Okay. I do, but I, I think it, it doesn't matter what, where you get it. Just, I think we all need that downtime, that compression, that decompression time. It is so critical. And this is going to sound um, uh, counterproductive, but I've tried that beforehand and I'm not, I'm not good at meditating because I, I let other thoughts enter into my head as opposed to, I sure. try, I try really hard to be still and be present and just be, be in the moment. And I I can probably go 15 minutes, but, but it's, it's a very difficult thing. And then I get to the point where I'm like, I don't know. I can be more productive. Yeah. And I can be more productive (laughs) with that 15 minutes and do something else. Sure. Sure. Um, And I I will uh, say the 15 minutes is great. 15 minutes is, is way better than nothing. And everyone seems to have this belief that meditation requires me to, my mind must be blank. I've been doing this for 20 years. My mind's not blank. But instead of worrying about where your thoughts are going, try not to follow them. That's just the trick. Okay, my right. thoughts come up about the thing I got to do. Let's just bring it back. So one of the things I'll do, I'll do is turn on some kind of a white noise. Turn on a fan uh-huh. or something like that. Okay. And then okay. use your attention to pay attention to the sound. Like, oh, here's a sound. And then pretty soon your mind will wander off again. Like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be listening to that sound. Just bring yourself back. What are your thoughts about a mantra? Uh, I They work for the right people. Absolutely. I, I know I a try, lot of I, very. I try that. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people who are really uh, advanced folks, and it works for them. So I have no doubt there's some power behind it. I, I that's the only way that I have thus far, and and I don't want to make it sound like that I've spent an extensive amount of time trying this, but um, that's the only way that I found that I can stem the thoughts from from me wanting to follow them. I want to yeah. follow them wherever wherever they go, and. And I know the only way that I know that I'm doing it right is when my little buzzer goes off after 15 minutes telling me that I'm done. And I, and I feel like I've only been there for five. Exactly. So, ding, so, ding. so, yeah. so I, I need to, I need to get back to it. Basically. <laughs> Find You're my inspiration. I love it, man. This is, if all I did was come here and inspire you to meditate, then I have succeeded. Fantastic. Well, you killed my power too. I don't know how you did that. Somehow Boom. or another, you are hacking into my power. Right here. Um, oh, I didn't mention that. Did I? Oh. You're good. You're very Brad's good. Mail pop up shortly. No, I'm um, well, uh, what are your future plans? Um, first of all, I, I hope that both of our future plans are to finish this podcast successfully. Me too. <laughs> now, what, what, what are your future plans? Uh, it could be for you or it could be for the business or, or anything, really. Yeah. So for me, it is about moving over to cyber. So I want to kind of <laughs> right. understand the breadth and depth of it as I do IT. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a wider, deeper understanding. And then both for me and for the company, I want to start moving toward larger comp- uh, larger clients, learning how to facilitate cyber in large organizations so we can move to a bigger, larger base. You know, I found that, um, um, of course, I grew up, if you will, in IT, um, mainly on the networking side. And it was probably like about mid-2000s when I realized that, you know, like 2004, around that area, when I realized that I was spending more effort trying to get folks not to talk to each other than to talk to each other. So I think that that was my slow migration to the dark side. Um, 
But also around that time is when I first started studying for the CISSP. Uh-huh. And I can't remember how many domains they had then. They've, they've changed it. They've shortened it a little bit. Okay. But I was surprised to find out that my core competency, the, one, the domain that I did the best on, was not networking, but it was rather risk management. And uh-huh. light bulb went off in my head. And this is what I tell folks, particularly if they're transitioning from, from IT to, to cyber, is that cyber is so much more about managing risk, even if you're just doing the technical stuff. In yeah. the end, those those folks that are in cyber that understand that go a lot further because then they understand not just the what, but the so what. Why are we doing this? And 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 yes, it's okay to you have this high risk vulnerability. It's okay to accept that. Don't get off on like the C-suite if they're accepting it because they may have reasons business-wise. So long as you've conveyed the fact that it's a high risk, that's okay. They're making the decision. I love and, it. And and and, and document it so that, well, I was gonna I was <laughs> yeah. gonna say and and document it so that you're yeah. off the hook in case like you know you don't want to be you know and, um, and try to put controls around it just to, just in case if you did have to bypass one of the core ones, please. <laughs> oh abs- absolutely that's what I'm saying. Compensating controls, try to lower yeah. the risk somewhat and uh, yeah, yeah, and and that as well too. I, I've run into this very situation many times in cyber. I worked with a client and they had uh during the summer, they brought in a whole bunch of like hundreds of part-time college students and they, every single location had one generic login that they all signed into. And I'm like, ah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, we could go through, we have huge turnover. We're not going to pay you to sit there and create, you know, users all day long. So we had to create some compensated controls, but we did eventually find a way around it. There is a way hey, through it all. I remember reading, I think it was last year where a school district um, they, they had to force a, um, a password reset because they, uh, for the, you know, the students have access to portals and all that, and, you know, yeah. it's not, not anything that we had, but, um, and they had to force a password reset. And so instead of like saying, okay, you know, um, you're going to need to change your password on this next logged in, login, they gave everybody the same password. <laughs> <laughs> and they emailed it out and they put it on their website <laughs> wow yeah i don't think that they had a cybersecurity risk manager yeah. there at the no, time but they no probably had a there. <laughs> well james listen this has been a, a a wonderfully interesting and and certainly a different conversation i like i said never had a power outage but uh, everything <laughs> seems to have held so business continuity test for 2024 complete on my side i'm very happy about that <laughs> Um, at least 15 minutes check (laughs) (laughs) but i so much appreciate the conversation it was so much fun chatting and uh and and i just wish you the best of luck in your endeavors thanks greg it was really an honor to be here i appreciate what you're doing uh you know informing the folks out there no better cause out there thanks for what you're doing and i hope your power stays it comes back soon my friend (laughs) okay and everybody (laughs) stay secure